0: You are listening to episode 33 of the Because Why Not podcast. I saw a great meme the other day that said, has anyone tried unplugging 2020 and plugging it back in again to see if it'll start again? I loved it. It made me laugh out loud. I'm feeling that way a little bit about 2020. I don't know. There've been some bumpy roads, but I remain hopeful as always. So here's an update on things. And I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Grace Beeson. I'm a professional relationship coach trained in authentic leadership. Each week I come to you on the Because Why Not podcast with stories from my own life of things I've experienced, things I've read, learned, anecdotes of every day, and that I hope that you will learn from or at least have a good laugh about. So thanks for tuning in, I really appreciate your support, would love it if you'd leave a review on iTunes or Google Podcasts, or anywhere that you listen regularly, and subscribe. Thanks for joining us, and enjoy the episode. Hi my friends, it's been 18 days since I've been with you, and that's a longer break than I wanted, but life has been coming at me. And it's funny because after the last episode, which was emo AF, as I've been calling it, um, and I really appreciate the feedback I've been getting from many mom friends about it being an impactful episode for them and them relating and feeling my pain. Um, But after that emotional episode, which, as I said, I hesitated to record as I was feeling so emotional, but then decided to share and knew that it was not dark, but just heavy... I wanted to get back on really soon and do a short, bunny episode about all the reasons that I love Bravo and what I've been watching. And I still may get to that today just because I feel like it's time to share something light, um, light lighthearted and airy. Um, And yeah, but I, but I just, I still didn't get there because I was traveling and had some things going on. And I think that that that's just kind of where I am today is wanting to touch base and say where I am and how I'm feeling and, um, kind of just touch on, you know, moving out of a dark moment in life, which I think is, uh, something we can all relate to. Right. So, all right. I have had A challenging number of weeks and they're always sprinkled with beauty and love and you know my boys and my husband and and just had family in town for my mom's 80th birthday and we had a fun celebration for her and um you know a great dinner out with our little families and my sister and her daughter and then we took a giant cake and brought my kids to my mom's um day program that she goes to she goes four days a week to a day program that I guess it's sort of like an adult daycare but I hesitate to call it that because it's such a wonderful program where they do music and dancing and they give programs about different things that the people can learn about and um, they eat and they play quote-unquote sports like putt-putt in the hallway or like quote, quote, volleyball or um, whatever, but it is for seniors who are um, experiencing memory loss and dementia. And it's this beautiful program called Charles House where my mom is in Chapel Hill four days a week. I want to share out loud the name of that place because it's been such a real gift In our lives for our mom and giving her a place to go and uh, be social and still learn and have a reason to get up and dressed in the morning. Um, And uh, we're just really thankful for it. Uh, And we were so lucky to find out about it from friends. So I am at an age, many of you are at an age, I assume, where, and I know, where your parents are aging. And I, You know, there's this next phase of of taking care of our parents while we have young children. It's the quote-unquote sandwich generation, they call it. Um, And it can feel really, really daunting. Uh, And we have relied on friends through the years to get input and advice, but we've also found wonderful agencies. And, um, you know, just going down the rabbit hole of learning to care for your aging parents is a thing. And in fact, I have had a request to do a whole podcast about aging parents. And I want to do that. I don't feel prepared to do that right now. But I'm going to do that because it is a topic near and dear to my heart. As our mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's five years ago. um, She's doing great. Uh, But it's a process. And I think I've acknowledged more this winter than I have before that it takes an emotional toll. You know, you don't want to make it about you, because you're the younger, healthy one. Um, But, you know, it's an emotional process to come to terms with the fact that your parent is getting older and suffering um, in some way or struggling in some way. So I just want to say that I got on a tangent, and that's not the first time I've done that, as you know, but um, we had a wonderful celebration for my mom's birthday, and then Maddie and I were able to get out of town together for a few days for the first time in a year, which was much needed, and I think, you know, it's just so easy to let things get crazy and feel like, well, we only want to travel with our kids or we just haven't had an opportunity to go away alone or we don't want to spend the money or uh, whatever it is. Um, But it is vital that we have adult time alone. And I'm glad that we did that and got to see the city of Austin, which I've wanted to see for so many years. And it really is so great. And we saw amazing live music. We went to this dive bar. I hadn't been in a dive bar in a long time, as you can imagine, because I'm not drinking. I'm not opposed to going to bars, but I'm not out late at night, you know, or going to places like that. And Maddie and I were laughing because when we left the dive bar from having heard this amazing band, I was like, God, that felt really good. Like, I loved being in there. And he was like, yeah, that probably felt like coming home to you, you know? And I was like, yeah, that's the thing. Like, there's so much I've been doing this year that's new to me and uncomfortable, Um, even if it's positive. But, like, I know how to be in a dive bar. You know, I know how to be in a nice bar. I know how to be in a dive bar. My friend Kristen might be laughing because we always used to joke about how I like the fancy hotel bars in New York where I spent all my money. Um, And she loved the dive bars and the dive bars were more what I could have afforded, but I didn't like them. Um, So we always joke about our different um, feelings about bars or our different. Um, what's that word? Our different preferences. Anyway, I loved being in this dark dive bar called the Skylight Lounge. Skylight Lounge. It was like off a highway. It was like in an aluminum barn and it was dark and there were music posters all over the walls and Christmas lights. And we were there for a wedding in Austin. So this friend of ours, his uncle was playing in a band there he lived in Austin and he was legit like he's toured with Dave Matthews and played in these different bands and um amazing band called uh sugary soul and when I saw the name sugary soul I was like oh it's a grateful dead cover band sugary you know shake it shake it sugary But uh, no, it was like a funk soul band, and oh my god, it gave me such life. Like, she started singing Shaka Khan, and (laughs) it was just, it was amazing. I loved it. And we danced, and they sell Topo Chico in bottles everywhere in Austin, which is really exciting. Um, And I have to say, like, the whole weekend where there were so many people drinking so much, like, it occurred to me that it... Wasn't occurring to me that I wasn't drinking. Like, I didn't miss it. I was just, and I really have come so far with that. I'm coming up here on 365 days of no alcohol, which is awesome. Uh, I'm feeling so great about that. But, like, it's just awesome when I realize that I'm not missing it. Like, I am fully living life. And um, it feels particularly good to have really awesome moments where I have such natural highs. Like listening to this woman, this powerhouse, sing Shaka Khan and Prince, or like sledding with my boys, or whatever it is. But when I have these natural highs, and I'm like, this is what it feels like to be high, like, this is what it feels like to be free. And oh, that's gonna make me start weeping, but like, it just was awesome, you know, like to feel that everyone can do what they're doing and they can do what feels right for them and that's cool and like I'm doing what feels right for me and it feels great um and yeah there have been hard moments so it's nice to have those really fun moments of like I've got all I need I've got all I need I don't need more than this Topo Chico to have any more fun in this moment that I'm having you know it's it's a It's liberating. It's so liberating, which is hard for anyone to understand who hasn't had this constant CNN ticker about drinking in their brain for 25 years. But um, yeah, so, but just to say that like the live music in Austin was amazing and like the food is so good, which of course is something you always hear about. And we ate so much. I kept being like, you're gonna have to roll me home, like, roll me onto the airplane. roll me home. Um, we had tacos. We had like this fresh pressed juice at this place that everyone says is so good. I mean, it's a chain all over the city. It's called juice land, juice land. Yeah. But it's so good. I mean, you get like two juices for $18, you know. Um, and we went to South Congress, which is like super hipster, but like old, um, country music, venues too, and like old boot shops and old motels that are now super chic. And, um, so many like Instagramable moments where they have like the, you know, the painted wall where you can take photos and, um, just so cute, so fun. And I just loved it. Like, I just loved everything about it. Um, saw some Mexican, um, American art I always feel good about seeing a little art in a city I've never been to or in a city I've been to. Yeah, it was nice. But, um, I've also just had this like general unease about a lot of things in life because I'm so in flux with, um, you know, building my coaching business and, um, All of these transitions, which, you know, it's sort of like the pink cloud of sobriety and the pink cloud of um, figuring out what I wanted to do with my life and then going to coach training and then, you know, feeling full of possibilities and every day was so exciting. And again, with being on the rainbow, being on the unicorn with rainbows flying out of my ass, like to a degree, all of that came to an end and then it became about the implementation of the thing. And that became really hard. And I was putting all this energy into it that was like energy that really wasn't serving me. It was just really fraught and tight and um, anxious. And I was feeling all these things um, that I hadn't felt in so long, like fear and um, like feeling stuck, and all these things that I now know how to coach people out of. And so the interesting part of the process is that um, I've turned to a lot of self-coaching, which is what we are taught as coaches to learn how to do um, as a way to move ourselves forward and also as a way to practice. So, you know, doing a lot of feeling and... um I don't know, working through like all these different thoughts and feelings that I've had in this place in my life where, as I've shared with you, things have been challenging with my parenting at times over the last couple months and with my marriage and, you know, I've ripped the lid off of all this other stuff, um, in my life and I'm doing all this deep, dive work into my spiritual relationship with money, which is a whole nother topic that I will do a podcast about because it is, again, a revelation and it's amazing and wonderful. And I'm loving the work I'm doing around that. Um, And I think, you know, there are these taboo subjects that women, people, human beings, but certainly women in our culture Um, Are taught not to speak openly about without there being shame associated with it, like sex, like money. Um, You know, I think those are the two biggest ones that come up for me, but um, I think it'd be really great if we could all talk openly about things and, and empower ourselves. And listen, I'm not inventing the wheel here, there are a lot of amazing women out there, empowering women to talk about money, um, and, and about sex. But I just think it's absolutely amazing. So, um, I'll just share with you here. If you're interested, there's a a wonderful platform that a friend of mine shared with me called L vest, which is E L L E V E S T, which is a website, um, just for women learning to invest. Um, it was started by a woman named Sally and of course I can't come up with her last name right now. I can try and Google it quickly, but she was like powerhouse on wall street. And now this is her baby. Um, but she started Elvest as a means to teach women how to invest. And so anyway, that's been something awesome that I've um, dived into. And, um, there is a wonderful podcast called so money with a woman named Farnoosh. And, um, that's really awesome. So there are just these really great tools for learning and um, getting more tools and skills that I didn't have. Like I'm teaching myself, you know, I don't work in the financial industry. So like, I don't know how to invest um, and haven't known anything. And I like the idea of um, learning and not just putting it else in someone else's hands. Um, So that's one piece of a financial puzzle, but, um, I will do a podcast about, um, other pieces of it, but those are a couple of resources that I can share with you. Um, I just think that the more we speak openly about things that the more, you know, it feels good and we, you know what it is, the more it normalizes things. And I think that that's a lot of why, we as women or as humans feel shame is because we're carrying around things that we don't think other people are experiencing or we don't believe are quote-unquote normal. So we carry around shame and the shame is really debilitating. It can create anxiety. It can cause us to lose sleep. It can create stress in our lives, arguments. It certainly can cause us to Set expectations for ourselves that can't be met, and then if we don't meet the expectations, we flagellate is that the word self self flagellate you know belittle ourselves, punish ourselves, and just that just just that one subject of expectations is a whole nother thing you know we we set expectations for ourselves and for others that aren't not only aren't attainable, aren't realistic, aren't fair, aren't necessary, and it just creates so much strife in our lives. You know, I got great advice in two different places last week. One from the author Cheryl Strayed, who you may know from writing the novel Wild. Um, she Her first novel was Torch. Um, Reese Witherspoon, I think, won for playing her in Wild. And she also had this great podcast called Dear Sugars, which is no longer on, but you can go back and listen to them. But I listened to um, a little podcast she did for, it was like a 20-minute speech on an Oprah Super Soul Sunday thing. And her talk was called The Humble Beginnings of Greatness. And it was such a great talk because it was about how we set such high expectations for ourselves and we reach for the stars, we shoot for the moon and we want to be great, we want to be perfect, we want to be big, we want to be impactful, we want to do the very most, be the very best. And that it's extremely debilitating or can be. And I related to that so much. You know, I've never thought about the idea of just being good, not being great, or just doing well enough, not being the best. Just be okay. I've never thought about until I heard this about just be okay with being okay. And then it was actually reiterated to me by our wonderful therapist and our marriage hour um about just be okay being okay you know when you strive for being the best you're setting yourself up in a way that it's hard to meet that you know and then it's so far to fall whereas if you are just being okay being okay you're just doing well you're not doing your best. You're just being you. Um, then you'll probably succeed at that a lot more and find a lot more satisfaction with that on a more regular basis and not be letting yourself down Mm -hmm. and not meeting expectations. And it's funny. So Cheryl straight, she laughed and she said, you got to just be okay with mediocrity. (laughs) She said something like that, and I laughed. It made me laugh, and I guess it kind of like, I don't know, like shines a light on my high-achieving nature. I set the bar so high for myself. I have such high standards for myself. Um, I put tremendous pressure on myself, Um, and I won't get into all the psychology and the programming of why I am that way, But that is real for me. It's real. And so the idea of just being mediocre or being okay with being mediocre is like bananas to me. And yet, there are a lot of happy people in life, maybe at times, who have been a lot happier than I have been on a more consistent basis because they're just okay being okay, you know? And there's nothing wrong with that. There's just nothing wrong with it. So. You know, that's some powerful advice that I got. Cheryl Strayed, The Humble Beginnings of Greatness, if you go and listen to that on the Oprah Super Soul podcast. So I've clearly just been doing all this different kind of digging and moving through different feelings and um getting great coaching, giving great coaching, and trying to learn and grow and like move through difficult conversations and processes with all the things in my life. And, and here's, here's what I found. Here's the moral of the story. Um, when I get out of whack and out of sync with the things that make me feel good, I feel bad. So that's just stating it really clearly and stating the obvious. But what that means is that there are things that each of us have to identify in our lives that make us feel good every day. And so there's the subject of self-care. And then there are things that bring us joy that aren't self-care. And I think I kind of got out of whack with both. So, um, you know, for me, the self-care It was recently identified to me. I think I knew this, but I was when someone said it, I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. So Bravo is not necessarily self-care, right? Like it would be easy to put Bravo in the category of self-care. But let's think about it. Does Bravo like feed my soul? Does it make me a better person? Does it fill me up? Does it energize me? I'm saying all of that, and part of me is like, yeah. I don't know. Okay, so Bravo is maybe on the fence of being entertainment or self-care. Self-care tends to look more like things like going for a walk, going to exercise. For me, it's like going to yoga, exercising, going for a walk, um, reading, um, listening to like personal development. Um, or like self-helpy podcasts, doing a podcast. This is very much self-care for me. Getting enough sleep, um, daily meditation, even if for only five minutes, Um, writing, um, journaling. There are certain things I write about every day now. So that's self-care on the other end of the stick is like the entertainment, like Bravo, the podcasts that make me laugh, the Jeff Lewis live radio show on Sirius. Um, you know, time with friends could be entertainment or self care. But bottom line, I hadn't been consistently doing enough of the things that feel good. Um, and I had been doing a lot, for example, of not exercising and a lot of stuffing my face with things that felt good in the moment, but that ultimately make me feel really bad. And for me, that's like, I hate to say it. I never wanted to be this person, but it's sugar. So like if I eat cookies all day, every day, which I would love to do, I want to get paid to eat cookies. I want that to be my job. I want to get paid to eat cookies while being flown alone by myself on someone's plane to stay in nice hotels and critique the beds and the spas while having my feet rubbed. That's, yeah, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to get paid for pretty much. But when I eat cookies all day, every day, I feel awful. Right. And it took me a long time, 43 years to recognize or really acknowledge that when I eat like crap, I feel like crap. So all this to say that it really, uh, kind of, I don't know, showed up for me that I wasn't taking care of myself. And so I was feeling really bad. And Um, Hard emotions and hard things in life are harder to deal with um, when you aren't practicing any self-care. I know there's at least one person listening, I'm not going to name your name, but who's really happy to hear me saying this that it's vital to practice self-care in order to be okay and be able to show up in my life for myself and for my children, for my husband, for the people I'm coaching, for the volunteer work I do, for my friends, et cetera, in a really meaningful way and to live a wholehearted life. Otherwise I'm depleted. And I did feel myself getting sort of like frazzled and razzled and strung out. I sort of I can like see a vision of myself in my mind, um, with like my hair sticking out, like I just stuck my finger in a light socket and like screaming and you know, that's what happens when I'm like at the end of my rope or at my wit's end. Um, it just feels awful. And that's what happens when, you know, not consistently doing the things that I need to be doing. So it just reminded me of this thing that that my friend Rainey and I used to say to each other, when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot. And I really got to the end of my rope and didn't tie a knot. So I'm here to tell you that a daily practice of self-care and also a daily practice of entertainment is great and vital. You know, like I balance out my self-care with Jeff Lewis Live for sure. Like I need to laugh every single day, or I've started picking up the phone and calling people more. I'm like the dying dinosaur generation of people who want to talk on the phone, but, um, I love it. If you want to pick up the phone and laugh with me, please do pick up the phone and call me. Texting is exhausting to me. I know that I am a super fast copious texture a lot of times for a lot of people, but I I actually can't stand it. So I only do it when I really feel like I need to. Anyway, another tangent, I'm just here to confirm for you that self-care is important. It's so important. And if you're feeling like crap, take a step back and look at what have I been putting into my body? Because it actually is meaningful to put fruits and vegetables, fiber, you know, things that you're able to process and digest into your body, because the other stuff kind of gets stuck. And it's like, um, it's like pouring tar into a bucket. And there's nowhere for it to go. So Take a look at what you've been eating. I mean, most of you are probably, most of you who are in your 40s probably have this information already or even in your 30s, but it's taken me long enough to come around to it that uh, healthy food makes you feel great. So there is a place for cookies. There always will be. Um, you know, I emotionally shove chocolate and cooking and candies into my face regularly I'm working on it. We can't all be perfect, nor should we be. Remember, we are not trying to be our best. We are trying to be okay. And sometimes that means too much wine, or it means too much chocolate, or it means too much Vanderpump rules. I can't help it. I can't stop, won't stop. I can't stop, won't stop. I just, I can't. Is that a Demi Lovato song? I also love her. Here's another hot tip. Do yourself a favor, go to YouTube, Watch Demi Lovato opening the Grammys if you haven't seen it yet. She's in a big white dress. There's someone playing a piano. If you need a good cry, go do it. Go watch that video and then tell yourself you can't be brave and that you can't take a risk and that you can't be vulnerable. I mean, it's some powerful stuff. Girls and women are full on running the show right now with showing their vulnerability, and I'm fully here for it. I've mentioned before um, the Demi Moore um, autobiography, and you've probably seen everywhere um, the new Jessica Simpson one she's telling her story of being an alcoholic and all these things. And it's just, it's truly refreshing. I think Ben Affleck just came out with one too, or there was a New York times article yesterday, but just people coming out and saying like, listen, I've suffered. This has been hard and here's what I did. And also I can laugh about it. It's incredible. It's to me like the most inspiring thing in the world. We live in a time where people are coming clean and most importantly, this is really something I want to underline today. I'm highlighting it with my spiritual highlighter, letting go of shame, releasing shame about whatever it is. For me, it's over drinking, over eating, over spending. That's what I'm uncovering now. Um, for me, it's about, you know, my size, my weight, my the the slowness with which I'm growing my coaching career um whatever it is you know we we just mask ourselves and drape ourselves in shame and it's an extremely toxic and stymieing can you use stymie as a verb stymieing thing Shame. It's the worst. I'm working on letting it go in so many areas of my life and I'm here to tell you it is so freeing. Let yourself do it. Let yourself do it. Think today of one thing that you feel shame about. Think quietly about that with yourself and even if you don't tell anyone, tell yourself or write it down and say I'm giving myself permission to release shame about this thing and let that shit go. As Courtney always says to me, it's not your luggage, girl. Put it down. And I love that. I mean, is there anything better? (laughs) I guess that's about something else. That's about not carrying other people's baggage. It's not your suitcase. Put it down. But the shame doesn't have to be your suitcase either, right? Like, you pack that yourself. And if someone else shamed you, that's their shame. That's their shame that they made you carry. So put it down. All right, the last piece I want to touch on is just my continued work on seeking internal validation over external validation. So I learned so much about this in my authentic leadership training and in all of the spiritual work I've done this year. My spiritual journey, which as of late has been feeling like a midlife crisis. But I'm embracing both. My spiritual journey is also my midlife crisis. But the great news is about that, that it's happening and that perhaps it won't ever happen again. And no one's gone out to buy a Ferrari. No one's having an affair. It's just, um, it's just happening the way that it's all unfolding on this podcast. You're welcome. So, Seeking external validation. That's something I've done my whole entire life. I believe I've touched on it here some, maybe I'll do it again, but I think I touched on it, um, in the podcast called the lies we tell and about telling lies in order to fit in. And that's about receiving external validation. That's about people, um, you you wanting people to think that you are a certain way and that you're better because you, I don't know, drive a certain car or wear certain clothes or live in a certain place or take certain vacations or whatever it is. Um, And when we seek external validation, that is when we um, can fall into lying. That's also when we can carry around shame. And when we seek internal validation instead, that's when we're really caring more about how we feel, what we want, and what's important to us. And when we care about that more than we care about what other people think, say, feel, or do then we're able to really move forward in our lives and to quote a great t-shirt, live our best life and, you know, really have a positive impact on our own lives and the lives of our partners, our children, whoever's the most important, you know, love relationship in our life. And also, of course, on our career and on our communities and all of that. So, external validation versus internal validation. That's just continued work I'm doing and something I want to also, um, put the spiritual highlighter on that is just so, um, important and feels so good to do. So I think today guys, um, since I've given you some, Uh, stories and some pop culture references to things I'm enjoying and have told you that I'm doing fine after that emo AF podcast. Everything's cool here, but that I want you to hear that it's okay to have really hard days, really hard weeks even, and it's okay to share them because as I've experienced, especially in sharing that last podcast, it can really help someone else, even one person in your life, move forward and feel better. And if we can't all help each other to move forward and feel better, and feel happier and feel more fulfilled, then what can we do? Like, what is all this for? Um, So I want to wrap it up sort of with that subject of external versus internal validation with, I know this is going to come out of left field since I was just referencing uh, Vanderpump Rules, but i like for you to just remain aware that I'm a Renaissance woman. I have many and varied interests. Um, So we have Vanderpump Rules today, we have Shaka Khan, we have Oprah, and now letters to a young poet by rilke someone referenced this to me today or rather this week in a coaching session thank you to that person it was really meaningful what they were saying to me and they made a reference to one of the letters and something that was said as it relates to me um and what i've been going through in my life and it really made an impact and so um this isn't actually part that they talked about, but I want to share this part. Um, and it, it, again, it's about looking inside of yourself. And this is also really coachy. This is what, what it is to be a coach is to help you see, or the kind of coach I am to help you see that you have all the answers inside of you. You have everything you need. You don't need to look farther than yourself to get everything you need. And so this is really what um, Rilke's, is that how you say that? What Rilke's um, commenting on in this letter. And this is actually in letter number one. So I'm going to read you these two things before we wrap up. And I'm just sending you So much love and gratitude for being here with me, for being patient, and I would be so grateful if you would go to iTunes and leave a review, because that's how people find me and how um, this message can be shared and we can help more people feel better. So, here we go. I can't give you any advice but this to go into yourself and see how deep the place is from which your life flows. At its source, you will find the answer to the question of whether you must create. Accept that answer just as it is given to you without trying to interpret it. Perhaps you will discover that you are called to be an artist, then take that destiny upon yourself and bear it, its burden and its greatness, without ever asking what reward might come from outside. From the creator must be a world for himself and must find everything in himself and in nature to whom his whole life is devoted." And finally, I want to add just one more bit of advice. To keep growing silently and earnestly through your whole development, you couldn't disturb it any more violently than by looking outside and waiting for outside answers to questions that only your innermost feeling in your quietest hour can perhaps answer. You couldn't disturb it any more violently than by looking outside and waiting for outside answers to questions that only your innermost feeling in your quietest hour can perhaps answer.